0: Pass in across was The band Strife and I guess yes. What was it about that band That you heard And that you were like okay I, I need to be involved With these guys and Document
1: it's such a weird story Because of how again Back to proximity I was I I was born and raised in Thousand Oaks California Westlake Village Kind of the same area when I was growing up um, And And Really interesting area. We're thirty miles or twenty something miles north of Hollywood. Same distance to Ventura County. So from Ventura County, punk rock to you know, um, you know, Oxnard Shores and Ventura Theater to Hollywood. We're right in the middle. So we we were there was always this cross section of music and culture and surfing and skating. All 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 of that was 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 always there. Um, but in the, in the mid nineties before the internet, you know, you were still hearing about bands, somebody would say something, right? Have you heard this band, right? They might have a demo tape, right? That was, that was how we, I mean, I, and I still, everything I'm doing on social media now is based on, I'm just recreating every single one of those cultural tropes from back then, I'm just now applying to social media today. And so I feel like I'm still at the demo tape stage of my new career and even what I'm doing right now. But all all that to say, I started hearing about this band called Strife, and so I would drive to whatever local record store I could find, and you would ask, hey, do you have a band called Strife? And no, 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 and then months went on. I would ask people, Strife, you're about the band? Oh, I heard about Strife. Yeah, I heard, you know. I think they're from Thousand Oaks. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm, what? What? Anyway, so at that time, I'm working with Pennywise. I'm working with Blink-182, or maybe just Pennywise, not Blink yet. And one night, I was at Kinko's in Agora and making copies, I think, of God Bunny, the script, right? And Sid, the drummer, worked at that Kinko's. And I was there at like midnight, and he walked up to help fix something, and he... You know, I think I may even had a Pennywise Windbreaker on or something. and oh, I remember it. Right, right. <laughs> and he's like, um, Are you into, like, you know, into Poncazelle? I'm like, Yeah. And he's like, uh, I think I said, Yeah, I work with Pennywise. Somebody's like, Oh. He's like, You should come see my band, Strife. And I was like, Dude, I've been trying to find your band. Like, what? And he's like, Hey, tomorrow night we're playing at the Glass House in Pomona. Yeah. Shout out. Was it the Glass House? Or oh, the Ice House? Sorry, Ice House. Does that make more sense? Yes, because my band, Collateral Damage, was supposed to play.
0: Popeye, of course, showed up late and we didn't play. You were there with I want to say Dan Snow was there.
1: And Ken uh, Dario. Right. So now you've got Dan Snow, you got Ken Dario, you got Ken Dario who goes on to write Despicable Me and Creator <laughs> right. of the of the Minions. I mean like it's just it's nuts, right? You know? And but he said to me, because you should come see my band. I was like, Oh, I'm super excited. I'm like, you know, like I can can I come and film? He's like, yeah, you should, I'd love that. And um, I said, how are you guys live? He goes, you will never see a more intense band than us live. And I was like, come on, dude. I was like, come on. like, I'm kind of the guy. I work with all the cool bands. Like, I'm pretty <laughs> sure. And, and I'll never forget Sid going, just come and watch. And I think Ignite was on that night. It was yeah. Ignite. Stripe, I forget who else., um, yeah. and so we get to the ice house, and all of a sudden, this is my first hardcore punk show. I was with Pennywise and guttermouth and uh, th- and no effects and offspring. They were all playing thousand to three thousand person venues. They were going from the van to the nice tour bus. so I even though I was with the punk scene. I had yet to be in at a, at a hardcore punk show.
0: Well, when you and I first started hanging out, remember my reaction? Every time you would t- take me to one of your shows, I'd be like, oh, my gosh, there's so yeah. many people here. Yes. I was used to 300 people. Right. Where you,
1: it was like 3,000. Th- and the Ice House was, there was a ska band that night, too. There was a ska band that night. I'll really? I ne- I never forget, because there was a ska band that night, I'd never seen people have so much fun dancing. And they were just skanking away, and I was like, what is going on here? And then Strife came on, and I was on the side, Dan was on the side, and I think Ken was back behind the drums. And we're all just, we hit record on our cameras, and then just that, woo, 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 the feedback's going, I'm watching Rick. Rick's, oh, he's starting to move like a snake. He's getting all, and I'm kind of watching and the crowd's doing this thing. And all of a sudden, bump, 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 bump. And they jumped up in the air higher than any band yep. I had ever seen. And I'll never forget, I have my camera and I just put my camera down and I looked at Dan, I looked at Ken and we all looked at each other like, what is going on? <laughs> And I think that was a. That just changed everything for me because there was a new embodiment of punk. Because I had seen punk bands and they would maybe do one jump and they get the photo. And right. that would be the album cover or the cover of the zine, right? Strife was the generation that grew up thinking you had to be in that position for the entire set. <laughs> right, right? 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 Like. <laughs> And they just went off, and I just never seen anything like
0: it. And we met that night. uh no, we did not meet that night. Remember, we met in Gary Daniel's garage. That's right. And you were coming to discuss Ides of March, that's and Tony right. brought us, and that's we right. spoke. And then you guys shot an Ides of March sales thing, and then I happened to be there. And then that's right. There, that's minutes, right.
1: That's right. But
0: you were, but you were probably at that show. Oh yeah, well, I was because my band, my band, I was in this band Collateral Damage. We were supposed to play. Popeye got lost. He'd been to the Ice House 80 times. He gets lost that night getting into the Ice House. And so we ended up not, not playing. But oh, my um, goodness. you also, I want to say, you worked with- um,
1: which, which actually, which, which, which by the way, and so after I saw Strife, I put this video together. I showed Fletcher from Pennywise and he was kind of tripping. And, and I begged, and this was probably the first time I'd ever done this at this, at that point in my career, which then kind of became the thing I just did for a living. I told Pennywise, you have to have strife open up for you. And I, it was the first time I ever, I don't know, leveraged my well, credibility. You're two really different worlds. Right, like- right. And, but it was like, and you didn't do that. Well,
0: yeah, that wouldn't be that uncommon today. But no. back then, that was like, like right.
1: it was, you know. And, they, and he, I begged, and I begged, and, I, and I'm, when I'm talking begging, I'm like in their face saying, please put them on, put them on, put them on. And they put them, to, and they opened up for Pennywise at the Ventura, th- no, the Ventura County, like, field. Not, not the Ventura Theater, but some big event, out kind of tent, outdoor Ventura thing. And you don't want to open up for a Pennywise crowd, right? And and I would argue that was probably Stripe's biggest show to date. I mean, they probably may have played some weird hardcore show, festival in Europe maybe, but this was like in American soil near their hometown and they're in front of three, 4,000 people. And they well, took-
0: What's interesting is
1: you were working with Strife, and then for a little bit,
0: Mike Hartsfield joined the band on bass. Yep. And then he and then he left, but it's interesting because then you later like, um, which is a really interesting chapter of New Age. Yeah. you came in and you and him were working yeah. together. Yeah, And then out of that, you get the Insurgents record. You get oh god, what's that? What's that other band? There's the other band with Ray, um, Ray they, Blanco, a Veil, a Veil, no, not a uh, uh, Countervail, Countervail, yes. And and just and but I'm saying like. Out of that, Aaron Bruno emerges. Yeah. Then becomes. So, my, my question is then. Like, now it's I always. Yeah, like Aaron, it's AWOL
1: Nation. It, it's from New Age. It's from Mike Hartsfield to Darren Doan to let's resurrect this New Age Records thing and let's yep. sign some new bands. Insurgents, Aaron Bruno, who becomes AWOL Nation, you know, and, you know, it you know, it's kind of changes the whole landscape of sounds and production and, and all that stuff. Like, yeah, it, it all came from that. Well, and going
0: back to sort of the Christian Bale question that I answered then, would you have known, because I always thought Aaron was talented, and I really felt his talent started to yeah. really blossom when he did um, that uh,
1: – Hometown Hero? Of, yeah, uh, well, Hometown Hero and then Under the Influence of Giants, yes. And and so did you kind of know then, yeah. like, did you know, hey, you
0: know, this is it, – it, it's kind of like seeing Zach in Inside Out. Like, did you know that, hey, this is
1: yeah. someone who's yeah, kind of yeah. special? He was 18 or 19 years old. He walked into my office, and he had a demo tape. And he said, here's my band. Will you give it a listen? Put it in. Listen to it. I was like, I think this is really good. But I was looking at Aaron, and he just looked. I just, yeah, he just, it was like, wow, this, this kid, he was a kid then, is something really, really special. And... I just saw it you know and that was i know that's the director in me i don't know what it was but like just you know that kind of became i i didn't know it until later but i was just i really enjoy i don't know what it was it's kind of hard to toot your own horn but it's just like i don't know i could just tell i could just tell when someone was like dude you're you're unbelievably talented you're an absolute star you know and even getting eric stemmon to produce the first insurgents record and all that stuff, like it, you know, and Eric Stemmen went on to produce and be a part of AWOL Nation and, and Sale and all that. Those, like, so it was just seeing those things. But Aaron Bruno, I saw it 100%, I saw it. Now, um,
0: from that, see, when you came into Hardcore, you were and you kind of came in, yeah, it was, yeah. was like at least locally in Orange County there wasn't a ton of people like I never did music videos just because I I, I was more scared about doing that kind of stuff just because to me it was more technical, like in terms of like having a rhythm, but anyway, where I'm going with this is you came in and you brought something that I think a lot of like the hardcore bands wanted. I think like a tray, you wanted it. I think, um, you know, there were, there were all like those victory bands and you worked with a lot of them and like you, but you were always, you, you were always passionate and you always, We're wanting to make people like stars, like kind of like what you're doing now. Right. But my thing is is that you always had that. And so would you say that kind of that what I saw then and what I'm seeing now with what you're doing on social media?
1: Yeah,
0: because you don't seem like you mellowed about that. You you know what I mean? A lot of people, as they get older, they kind of. If anything, you seem
1: like you're more energized even than you were back back then. Well, is that an accurate yeah, read? Absolutely, because you know, I, I've spent and I spent my life trying to really highlight people who I thought were rock stars, superheroes, comic book like larger than life. You know, when you go to a concert, you're looking up, right? You you look up at bands. You literally look up at them, and they're huge, and they're playing down, and they're jumping, and like you know, and they're larger than life, and so. That's what I always wanted to to, to do. Um, the The hardcore scene was interesting because it was the first scene I was ever a part of. or And I really wasn't, I never felt like I fit per se into the scene because Orange County had a scene going on. You know, I think it wasn't until I met really guys like you that I realized it was my real first taste of, oh, there's a scene and there's scene and there's people, and right. some people don't like you. And then there were zines back then, before people talked crap about you on social media, you would show up in, <laughs> you know, um, Buddyhead, and someone would make a comment about you on Buddyhead, or Travis would say something about you. or so, And it was like, wait, someone just printed something about me? Like print, put it in print? You know, um, and I, I remember back then, that was my first taste of like, Darren Doan's this guy ruining punk rock, like he's ruining it. He's trying, like whatever. I forget. You have that power. Yeah. I was going to ruin, you know, um, and but then later in life or just the last couple of years when I started realizing that social media was just the internet, but that every single play that I saw run by bands, I could run now on social media. It changed everything for me because I always wanted to be in a band, I wanted to, but I couldn't do any of, of that stuff. And so when social media kind of, when I really got my head wrapped around, I was like, okay, wait, I'm going to build my entire brand and everybody else's brand based on what I saw every punk band do in every scene that I saw. So what's the equivalent of playing a show with three people? It's me doing an Instagram live. Oh, only three people showed up? I saw plenty of bands play shows with three, four, five people. Right? Well I remember you were saying something about like followers and you
0: were like, listen, if a band knew that they had X amount of followers, like that would be amazing for that band to, to to know. And I I know I, that really. So I just in. started
1: running. Okay, I'm going to treat myself like I'm a zine. I'm going to treat myself like I'm my own PR person. I'm going to treat myself like my, I'm my own college radio. I'm going to treat myself like I'm my own merchandise designer because you went and got a screen printer machine. You made your own shirts. I was like, wait a minute. I'm going to go. I think I'm going to apply every single thing I learned from these bands now at a global scale and do it for billion dollar brands and companies and for myself because the thing as an artist I got the only thing I got tired of was trying to convince people how awesome I thought they were so let's do a photo shoot let's do a photo shoot well I don't know and when you're a band you do photo shoots you go to the brick wall you go to the train tracks you go in the white room you get the and so I was like how do I promote my own brand I'm a band, I'm gonna go to the brick wall. I'm gonna take a picture of myself and guess what? I don't have to convince anybody. For me to communicate my own brand now, I'm my own label, I'm the band, I'm the PR, I'm, I'm, I'm the distribution. So I just took every single thing that I saw that I wanted bands to do. I just do that now for myself and I, have a, and I have fun doing it because it was fun to make vinyl. It was fun to design an album cover. I design an album cover every single day now when I create a post. I get to write the liner notes every day now when I do a post. Well, but what I loved is also,
0: you've said a few things along this line, but recently you did, I wanna say that it was a truck cast and the whole thing was about quantity over quality. And now mind you, maybe I'm, maybe I'm doing that um, uh, confirmation bias thing where I'm like, oh yeah, of course I love this because that's me, but- Well, that is you, like, yeah. It is. But no, I, I love that idea, and and how you were saying, like, where did this idea come from? That you have to spend a long time to make something good, right? Because you were like, we've seen a lot of things. So I, I just, I love your whole approach to, like, it's great if you get a million hits on something one day, but then what do you have the next day, and then the next day after right. that? Like, I think that is really, really powerful.
1: Well, and you did. I mean, you've proven it with with your career. Um, Career? What? <laughs> well, I mean, no, you've got a I mean, look. You've look, and I, I actually, I really admire what you do because it, like, I for my audience that's hearing this, just go find Evan, and you'll see exactly <laughs> what I, what I mean. But you also embraced this. You know, you were making movies on film and video at the same time, right? So you had. Walking between the raindrops.
0: video, as no.
1: you recall. It only
0: got filmed when I started hanging out with you because you kind of... No, no, yeah. I mean, we're doing this on 35mm. Yeah, I know, I know, I know.
1: I know. But, but, but <laughs> you were... But what I saw you do is really what I'm doing today. Like, I saw you make movies and then go to your audience and sell your movies That was your vernacular, your voice, your subculture. I mean, I've always believed that what makes an independent film an independent film is that when it starts, you do not know where you are at from a vernacular standpoint. That is what makes a great indie film. Not how you made it, but when Napoleon Dynamite starts, what world are you in? It, It takes 30 minutes to get your bearings on north, south, east, west, what, where are we? Is, is the uncle going to, like, rape somebody in the van? Like, you don't know. I mean, I don't think people understand what indie films were back in the day. You were waiting for, like, you know, Napoleon to literally, like, all of a sudden kill somebody. And that would be the twist, right? Like, there were no rules, and you would... You just didn't know. And so whether you're watching Waiting for Guffman or whether you're watching a Jim Jarmusch movie, you you have to listen to how they talk and you have to really focus. That's Tarantino. What is the dialogue? Where do they live? What are the rules? What can you do here? When you call the wolf, who's the wolf? What does he do? He cleans things up. What is it? Like all these things, you don't do that with an Oliver Stone film, right? But that's a whole other vernacular.
0: I mean, because I know you're a big Oliver Stone right. guy. You but it's not right? indie, but it's not, I know uh, where I'm at.